Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail, created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, it's Tabitha. And I'm Katie. Welcome back to another episode of Crimes and Cocktails. We're continuing our summer series at Camp Mid. Mid. And we're back for part two of the McClintock Park murder case. Uh, so that covers the horrible and senseless murders of 25-year-old David Schultz and 24-year-old Ellie Matthews. If you haven't listened to part one, you're going to want to go back and listen to that one first, or this isn't going to make much sense. Yes, yes. And if you've listened to part one and you're ready to listen to this, let's go ahead and make this week's drink. Um, this recipe is called Justice is Swirled. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so again, I'm going with blending drinks because it's summer and I just, I guess I'm in like a blended like popsicle kind of cocktail mood. So here we go. So you can either make or buy strawberry and blueberry puree. Um, if you're going to make puree, the easiest way to do it is like freeze the berries and then <clears throat> it's like freeze the strawberries and then you'll blend it in a blender with like sugar and just add a little bit of water for consistency. So that's like the best way to do that. So in a tall highball glass, you're going to pour one ounce of the blueberry puree. And then in a blender, you're going to add 1.5 ounces of clear rum, a half ounce of lime juice, two ounces of Coco Real, and a scoop of ice and blend that. Then as you pour that, so when you pour that blended mixture into your highball glass, you're going to kind of tilt the glass so that when you pour it, the blueberry kind of like makes a, a side splash on the side of the glass. Kind of hard to explain, but trust me, it's a good way, to, cool way to do it. And you're going to stop pouring about halfway, and then you're going to pour in the strawberry puree and then repeat again by tilting the glass again. So the strawberry puree this time kind of like splashes up the side. And then once you've got your cup totally full, then you're just going to put your straw in and give it like a quick little swirl and it makes this fun kind of like red, white, and blue swirly cocktail mixture. So it's kind of fun and fruity. And then you can top it with a blueberry strawberry pineapple flag. Boom. America. (laughs) And I'm proud to be American. (laughs) At least I know I'm free to drink. Free and free of COVID. <laughs> yeah, you are now. So Tabitha's had COVID, but right before we start recording, she just tested negative. So, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> the eagle screeching in the background. Although my voice doesn't sound like I'm negative. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, we're recording this around 4th of July, but it's going to come out later for you guys. So we're I was so sad, guys. Mood. 
So I, I've gotten all my vaccines and all, all the stuff you're supposed to do. I take my fucking vitamin C. I work out. I drink my water. I probably could up my sleep intake. That's probably a big thing, but I get sick like all the time, as you guys know, and you guys hear, I think a lot of it has to do with like, I travel a lot for work. So I'm just constantly in airports and i think that those are like the dirtiest places on the planet they really aren't (laughs) yeah and then when you travel with like you know with my job i travel for events and all those events are a lot of other people that are traveling all over so you're just kind of in a mixture with people that have been traveling traveled all over bumping around different races and we live in a giant media room for the weekend and I'm pretty sure everyone just shares their illnesses there. <laughs> it drives me crazy. <laughs> but last 4th of July I had COVID and so when I tested positive this last week I was like crying. <laughs> Literally crying. <laughs> I was like, no, don't do this to me again. I'm patriotic as fuck. <laughs> like I deserve to be red, white, and blue and have a great time. I deserve to be red, white, and blasted. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this drink should have been called. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. I like justice as so, well. <laughs> happy. You guys will hear this much after the Independence Day of America, but happy 4th of July. Hope you had a good one. Hope nobody lost their fingers. <laughs> yeah. Those... <laughs> I saw like a meme popping around and it's from Tropical Thunder when his hands are like blown off no. and they're like every ER this weekend. And I'm like, it's so sad, but it's so true. Like, just don't be dumb, guys. <clears throat> it is the American way. <laughs> it's the American way. Anyway. All right. Well, so, um, to check out the drink, as always, you can go to our Instagram, which is at Crimes and Cocktails. Um, and then, of course, as we've been plugging, our Patreon is now $3 for everybody. Um, so go on there, get some extra content, listen to these episodes early. Honestly, I think we're like the cheapest us. Patreon right now. $3? You can't buy anything for $3. You can't, you can't even <laughs> buy coffee for $3. No, you can't. Oh, at least good coffee. So, like, I mean, maybe a gas station coffee, but even yeah. that is like $2 now, I feel like. I know. That's... Nothing's affordable. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I went and got a Starbucks before. Well, actually, I'm not going to lie. The first day I found out COVID, I had to go get like oh, cough damn. drops and like Might Advil. Well. And the Starbucks drive-thru was right there. And I was like, well, I'm already here. But I don't really think Starbucks helps your COVID. So. But it was like $8 does. for a drink. Like, that's that's like minimum wage. <laughs> It is, yeah, it's so expensive, and um, they already got me hooked, though, so huh. <laughs> I'm going to continue drinking it. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then um, I think we talked about it before. Uh, we're going to be starting our spooky season, September, October time, um, and as part of that, we want to hear spooky stories from you. Um, so you can send in some stories, either about paranormal experiences or crime-related experiences, um, to our email, which is crime.cocktails at gmail.com. Um, don't admit to crimes on there. <laughs> but, <laughs> we'll read it. No. I will um, report you. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll be like, mm. <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, just let us know. And we'll read those and have a special episode where, um, you know, we could kind of read all of those on the podcast and we can keep you anonymous if you want. If you want your name blasted out there, we could do that too. But. <laughs> yeah. You can let us know if we can yeah. use your name or not or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we're excited about spooky season. We have a couple things happening in the fall. So not just um, set telling your guys' stories, but just something extra we wanted to do. Um, but we've got some cool stuff coming out, so... Yeah, cool. we're getting ahead, guys. <clears throat> so I'm going to apologize if I sound like Miley Cyrus through this entire episode. Um, <laughs> I've got my tea, though, and honey, I am not drinking the Justice of Swirled because my throat. <laughs> 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 but there might be a little bit of whiskey in my tea, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> sucking back on grandma's medicine. <laughs> Cough syrup. Yeah. Oh, All right. Maple syrup. Maple syrup. Maple syrup. No, that's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Patriotic today. <laughs> no, 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 damn, the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, Canada Day was yesterday. Oh, really, was it? Yeah. Actually, I'm uh, going into Canada this week, so. Oh, turn that attitude around. <laughs> yep. We love Canadians. <laughs> I'm proud to be a Canadian. Hey, I don't have anything wrong with, uh, I don't have anything against Canadians. I'm just saying, America. I've only met a couple of Canadians and they've all been nice, though. That's, that's the thing. Though. They're all so nice. Like, yeah, exactly. Too nice. Too nice. <clears throat> all right. Let's jump into this before my voice totally gives out. So, <clears throat> I know you guys have been wanting to get to the bottom of this case. I, I... Like I said, I've really just loved diving into this case so much. Oh, hold on. Do we even have our campfire set up? Oh, my kind God. Of, kind of We're going to freeze to death in oh, the woods. no. Freeze to death. It's 112 outside, right? <laughs> I sent a Snapchat. We are in a group. It was 112 yesterday where I live. And I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> Literally. Uh, Tabitha was like, does your new place have a pool? Like, no. <laughs> it's should be illegal it's honestly. pretty crazy that it's like hotter there than it is like where i'm at in florida i'm just like what <laughs> that this area always gets like that in the summer um and i've lived in this area for about 10 years now and i'll never be used to it <laughs> so. yeah although i can't remember is it like dry heat uh yeah it's, it's dry so it's not like yeah at least i'm not having like swamp that's the one thing like, like seriously like in <laughs> vegas i love dry heat there like obviously it's super hot and everything like that but like i don't know what it is but like walking around in the dry heat i'm like this feels nice like i i'm not i'm i'm fine it's, with this i would going say it's in like the water drier heat but when i lived in arizona <sighs> it was it felt different there the heat it felt i mean it was dry that's there. super dry so, yeah. yeah and that didn't really wasn't as bad but yeah. over here it just feels worse whereas like in florida if it's like 85 degrees outside you just feel disgusting because it's yeah. like super humid so i remember when i went to visit you and it was humid and that wasn't even in the summer i do feel bad you came at the worst time <laughs> I, my hair the entire time was just like frizzy and poofy and i was just like what is happening <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like every other friend that i've had visit 
friend. Every friend. other friend <laughs> that I've had visit, um, I'm really adapting down here to uh, out here. They've come at like way better times where they're because ha- you came when it was like super crazy hot. Yeah. And it was storming and raining like a lot. Yeah. And like when my mom came, came it was I nice. Think. Yeah. And we got to go to the beach and like it wasn't crazy hot and it wasn't raining. And like when Clarissa came, it didn't rain at all. Like I think it rained for like a total of 10 minutes. So it just feel bad. I thought it was really pretty the places that we went to. So, you know, it wasn't the worst. It's pretty but hot. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's dive into this. So when we last left off, it was December of 2018 when a genealogist, I told you I can't talk, genealogist with Parabon was able to narrow down the suspect pool to a very specific family with ties to the Green Bay area, that of Gladys Brunette and Edward, <laughs> sorry if I say this wrong, Van Nuenhoven. Van Nuenhoven. I'm going to say it different every time. Van Nuen. <laughs> well, we're only going to say it a few times because it's so, it's so hard. Van Nuenhoven. I, I think it's, it's Belgian. <clears throat> the genealogist. Why can't I say that word today? Jeez. <laughs> Believed. Can't <laughs> I can't talk at all. Believed the suspect could be one of their four sons, Edward, Francis, Raymond, or Cornelius. <laughs> Cornelius just reminds me of Thumbelina. Yeah, <laughs> Cornelius. Um, so one of those four sons or one of their four grandsons. And I, le- I actually wrote this out. Van Nuenhoven. I actually did the like phonics there. Why didn't Van I do that earlier? I don't know. Van Nuenhoven. Um, so this is similar to how they found the Golden State Killer. If you guys remember way back when in our like first episode ever, we kind of talked about that. Where... Kind of using like the family vintage tree. Crimes and what was that? A vintage crimes and cocktails episode. <laughs> Wait, we were hammered in that episode. Dude, I remember the third part, like after we filmed it and I was listening to it, I'm like, I don't remember any of this. We had to re record <laughs> part three because we did all three parts in one night and we were like, we drank a whole bottle of bourbon we, we were between so the two of us. Hammered. <laughs> And then we're like, this is so bad. I'm pretty sure we like said some real offensive things. <laughs> so we're like, let's not do yeah. this. Yeah, I'm already offensive sober. Like, geez. Right? I don't need to be, get more. Yeah, some of the worst, <laughs> most cringe episodes, I think, are when we're like just completely trashed. So <laughs> anyways, so yeah. So good times. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so given the age of the crime... The police sought to obtain DNA from three of the four brothers, Cornelius, Edward, and Raymond. The fourth brother had passed away. So I'm sure they're like, fingers crossed, it's not the dead one. Right. Uh, uh, So similar to how they tested the DNA of the Golden State Killer, they went trash diving. So the first son, Cornelius, was eliminated by testing the DNA off his inhaler, which he had thrown in the trash. The DNA did not match um, his DNA profile. Um, That was shared shared the same uh ystr dna i'm not sure what that is sorry oh um. so basically that just means that like uh it the suspect is a male relative of cornelius's from the gotcha, paternal gotcha. line um and so that was the dna sample that had been found at the crime scene um so uh yeah 
they were they were right on track though so at least you know it matched a male relative in his family but wasn't him so, yeah so yeah. yeah so basically they were like okay when they first went to like test him you know we're like we think it's this family but we're not totally sure and then when they test that dna they're like okay we are on the right trail like it's definitely someone in the yeah we got him <laughs> we're zeroing in yeah so <clears throat> the second son edward he was eliminated when they were able to retrieve eliminated as a suspect uh, when they were able to retrieve a coffee cup from the neighbor i guess every time he would come back into town he would go to his neighbor's house for a cup of coffee when they talk catch up whatever the neighbor was actually a retired detective, so that's why the police kind of had that in there. And the neighbor was able to like <clears throat> save the cup after Edward came over for coffee and called up the police, like, "Yo, come get the cup." So <laughs> pushing it forward. You sure you don't want another cup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. When I first read that, I thought like, "How did they know that he went to the neighbors for coffee?" And like. As a neighbor, knowing that you might have a potential murder guy in your kitchen, like, how do you yeah. feel? Like, is that terrifying? But then I read he was a detective, and I was like, oh, this was probably thrilling for him. Oh, like, it was, yeah, it was probably the best day of his, <laughs> of his retired life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when well, they got... Feel something again. Sorry. I know. So <laughs> when they got to the third son, it was March 6, 2019. The police, uh, this time they came up with a different rouge. So they knocked on the door and pretended like they were doing a survey in the neighborhood for feedback on how the local police force is doing, um, which is funny. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, can you tell us how we're doing? <laughs> um, they couldn't do their usual dumpster diving because this son did not have outside like curb trash and he took all his trash to a local dump. It's because the area that he lived in was kind of a little bit more remote and he was also a little bit farther back like in the neighborhood so he wasn't like out having coffee with neighbors and stuff like that so they were like trying to think of a different way to like get his dna <clears throat> so the survey had an envelope that the officers so that the officers couldn't see his feedback quote unquote <laughs> <coughs> sorry it's like those Take a um, sip of my tea. at the end of the semester when you had to like rate your professor in the anonymous thing you remember those uh, barely. Yeah. I probably and wrote. I was always like, don't worry, it's completely anonymous. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I'm writing good things because I don't have my grades back for the semester <laughs> I don't know if he sees it. <laughs> so yeah, so they had him fill out this survey, and he had to lick the envelope to seal it. And this is how they were able to retrieve his DNA. And that DNA from the sun's saliva was a match to the semen found in Ellie's shorts. Ha ha! <laughs> All I picture is Nelson from The Simpsons, like pointing at him, and going, "Ha ha! You've been caught, boom, motherfucker!" So on March fourteenth, two thousand nineteen, eighty-two-year-old Raymond Lawrence Van Nuenhoven was arrested from his Lakeland home in Wisconsin, where he had lived the previous seventeen years. Upon his arrest, they took more DNA for further testing which was completed and confirmed to be a match at the state of Wisconsin Department of Justice Crime Lab. Sheriff Jerry Sauve said that Van Nuenhoven, or let's just say Raymond because it's way too hard to say all the time, said that he didn't seem too surprised during his arrest. 
He was probably waiting for the hammer to drop ever since he saw the Golden State Killer get arrested. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, His neighbor described him as a helpful older handyman with a gravelly voice and a loud, distinctive laugh. The kind of guy who always waved from his car. The widower and father of five grown children had lived quietly for 17 years in the very small town of Lakewood, which is a population of 800. Um, it's a northern Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin town um, surrounded by forests and small lakes. All right, so let's back up. Um, Raymond Lawrence <laughs> von blah, 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 um, went by Larry to his family. Um, he was born February 10th, 1937 in Green Bay, Wisconsin, to parents Edward and Gladys. His grandfather, Francis Frank, um, had come from Belgium to Green Bay sometime uh, in the late 1800s. Ray, or Larry's dad, was born in Wisconsin, so he was second generation to the States. He was one of six children, and he had three brothers and two sisters. Yeah. I couldn't find a whole lot about his childhood. I had to pull from different like family member obituaries to kind of figure out most of this. Um, I think because his family is also not wanting to share much about his life, because it's pretty painful for everyone, like discovering this about their dad and grandfather. Yeah. But I was able to find out that Ray's father worked on the railroad until he retired in the 70s. Um, his father was also a volunteer firefighter and did fire inspections. His mother was heavenly, heavenly, <laughs> was heavily <laughs> involved in the church and was part of the St. Teresa Altar Society of the church. He grew up in a very small village of Suamico, I think that's how that's pronounced, Wisconsin, which is right next to the larger metropolis area of Green Bay. I was able to find that his older brother, Francis, went to Port Bay High School. So I'm assuming that he also went there. And that is where I believe he met his future wife, Rita. Rita Lurkin was also from Suamico, and she was two years younger than Ray. So on September 21st, 1956, I found an announcement in the newspaper from Mr. and Mrs. Gabriel Lurkin as they announced the engagement of their daughter, Rita, in the Green Bay Press-Gazette. It says, Mr. and Mrs. Gabriel Lurkin, 16... It's funny because they put their address in here. 1632 Preble Avenue announced the engagement of their daughter, Rita Mary, to Lawrence Van Nieuwenhoven, son of Mr. and Mrs. Edward Van Nieuwenhoven of Little Suamico. A fall wedding is being planned by the couple. So this is a tradition that we've pretty much stopped doing in the last 20 years it was pretty common to announce engagements in the newspaper and then later to have a writer write about the wedding ceremony along with like a glamorous photo of the bride and talk about like her dress and who was there and etc and i couldn't find anything about her wedding but when i was looking there was a lot of brides um having little write-ups about them I know this started phasing out in the 80s, but I think upper-class people still do this until at least the early 2000s. And I think because I'm thinking about that movie, 27 Dresses, like, wasn't he a writer about weddings? Yeah, he was. He was. I think Um, we only do this for, like, celebrities now or, like, political figures. I feel like it's probably something that's still done, like, in the South or the East, like that kind of. Or, like, smaller areas, probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
sell Rita and Ray on October 27, 1956 um, was when they got married. Rita was 17 years old. Ray was 19. Um, they went on to have six children, three sons and three daughters. It was said that Rita loved to sing um, karaoke, play games with her family. She loved to dance. Uh, she sounds like she was the life of the party and their marriage seemed to be a happy one. Um, which I think is a big reason why his children and family members can't accept yeah. that he did this. Um, I mean, I guess lucky for Rita that she died before he was caught. Um, or I'm sure there's probably a lot of stuff that's like, you know, when you see like, now. Or, yeah, like you see a red <laughs> yeah. flag, but you don't like read into it. And then like something like this comes out and you're like, oh, maybe. I know we had talked about that in a few episodes where like a um, the family had just no idea what was going on because they kept it so well hidden. And or if they did notice signs that it was kind of one of those, OK, that's crazy thing to think. Because you never want to think that somebody's capable of this. And yeah. so you kind of just make, you know, up excuses and make yourself believe that that's not possible. So, um, yeah, you know, it could have been a case like that. So anyway, um, so they lived in Samico until 1997 when they moved to Lakewood. Um, and like we said earlier, about 800 people lived there, and he would have to take his trash to the dump once a week because there was no trash service. Um, he worked as a steelmaker, and his children said that he enjoyed hunting and fishing and sometimes worked out of town. Quote, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, another business trip. Yeah. Um, Rita and Ray would uh, were married for over 50 years before she passed away at the age of 68 from diabetes in 2008. Yeah. I know reading about Rita kind of made me a little emotional because it kind of reminded me of my own grandma like yeah how she's just kind of the life of the party and just like all these different things that they were talking about her I was like oh that kind of reminds me of my grandma and then when they said that she died at 68 I was like oh that's like my grandma too yeah um now before being arrested in 2019 Ray did have some other encounters with the law that would raise these red flags. So, and this is something that I'm like, what? Why wasn't this guy looked at in the first place? But I don't know. It's, I get that they're different areas. You can't just like, it's like in LA, like you can't just be like, okay, we can't just hit every, like hit up every guy that did this one thing or whatever. But yeah. So in 1957, one year after Ray and Rita were married, Ray was arrested for attacking a 17-year-old girl while she was walking with her three friends. She testified in court that he struck her on the back, face, and shoulder. And her friends confirmed this. Like, I don't know what he was thinking, but he, like, did this in front of them. Oh, my God. Yeah, super weird. Uh, He pleaded guilty but said that he was only trying to scare the girls. The DA said (laughs) that he believes that if the girl was alone... Ray would have sexually assaulted her. So I think the DA, like, could see, like, the darkness already, like, there. He's Rita, like, yeah. honey, what were you doing? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> um, so he was fined $200 for this. Um, also because he was driving after the DMV had suspended his license. <laughs> Another red flag. So yeah. he served six months in jail for the attacks and then paid $200. Um for not driving, you know, with a license or for driving with a, without a license. 
1960, Ray pleaded guilty to not providing financial support to his wife, Rita, and their one-year-old daughter, which I don't understand that whole thing, and I really couldn't find any information about he it. He probably left them for a year. Yeah. And um, she filed against him for support. Ugh. Yeah, I'm like, what is going on here? So... Also, this is kind of funny, like how similar how they would put every like wedding engagement announcement, everything in the paper. They also put every little crime in the paper. So I was able to see that his brother Cornelius had a $5 speeding ticket for running a stop sign, which I'm just like, could you imagine they did that today? Whenever I'm doing research for work, I'm like going through all these old newspapers and like the farther back you go, the more information they give you about people. And like they run these people for filth. Like I need the stuff I have read about people. And I was like, I would be so embarrassed to be like living in like, you know, 1910 and have just everything laid out for my neighbors. (laughs) Maybe it's not a bad thing. I don't know. Oh, I personally love it in my line of work because... (laughs) It gives me so much information to work from, but it's truly wild what they will print. Like, I feel like we could do an episode, like a single shot episode, just reading the funny things that people will print in the newspaper. Like, yeah, it, it gets wild. And then everyone's going to be like, did you see that Cornelius ran a stop sign? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh I don't my know. God, be careful. <laughs> it's Cornelius so crazy. Yeah. Every little thing just being called <laughs> out like that. She's. So I couldn't find a whole lot more on his criminal history. However, I um, I did read one article, but I, I didn't want to include it in here because I couldn't find further articles to back it up. But there was one article that was saying that basically, like, he had also attacked another girl that was about 16 and she had to, like, jump out of his moving car from him because he was trying to, like assault her and that was around the same time frame as uh this other girl being attacked so i'm sure there's some truth there i just couldn't find all like further facts to like kind of back that up so i don't know but in the recent years after his wife's death a lot of his neighbors said that he became pretty vile whenever he drank um one guy said i know this much when he was drinking, he was one son of a bitch. <laughs> That's exactly how he said it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. <laughs> That's a quote in the Washington Post. He's on his rocking chair on his patio. <laughs> yeah. He said, you didn't want to be anywhere near him when he was drinking. Not just me. A lot of people. <laughs> Probably smoking a pipe. I know. He's all filling his corn bob pipe on his porch. <laughs> he was a son of a bitch. <laughs> it's all 2019 or whatever. <laughs> So on March 21st, 2019, the state of Wisconsin filed a criminal complaint against Ray and charged him with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of first-degree sexual assault. Uh, However, the judge had to toss the count of sexual assault out because it was outside the statute of limitations, um, which is a dumb law. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's meant to protect people from making up fictitious rape claims years later, as we know, but most... Right, victims are too afraid or ashamed to come forward right away yeah. after it happens. So it's just... And I also think if it's tied to a murder, I don't think that should count. No, I think it should um, still be able to count because especially... Or, yeah, that's what I mean. You have, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you meant. Sorry, but like... It doesn't have, count if you kill her. 
but also when it's tied to murder wipes right all crimes now but like they're convicting him of the crime from semen found in her shorts yeah so i'm just like obviously he assaulted her yeah so it's just it's annoying yeah it's bullshit <laughs> so, a real son of a bitch <laughs> real son of a bitch um, I, just, I don't feel like they talk like that in Wisconsin, but <laughs> I don't yeah. know how they talk. <laughs> Wisconsin. Um. The only people I know in Wisconsin aren't from Wisconsin. They're from California. So. Oh, <laughs> they don't talk like that. Uh, so on. Uh, oh, blah, 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 blah. so Ray filed an appeal against the state of Wisconsin, saying that his DNA was illegally obtained because he was not aware that they were going to use his saliva from the envelope when he was set up. Like, no shit, (laughs) Sherlock. Um, Duh. (laughs) He stated this broke the Fourth Amendment and cited three cases in which DNA was illegally obtained. The court threw out his appeal, though, because he freely gave the envelope to the police. Like, they weren't like... You must do this. Yeah, and they also weren't dressed like regular Joes. Like, they were they were police officers, and he gave them something. He knew he was giving whatever he had to the police. It does not matter whether he knew it would be used for DNA retrieval or not. The DNA was legally obtained. The purpose of the Fourth Amendment is to prevent unreasonable government invasions into people's private affairs not to prevent police from gathering evidence with the citizens' voluntary consent, even if the police used a ruse to do so. So this is what the judge said. Van Nieuwenhoven not only voluntarily abandoned his saliva, but he voluntarily abandoned it directly to someone he knew was law enforcement. He had no legitimate expectation of privacy in his genetic identity once he voluntarily abandoned the envelope containing his saliva to the police. Therefore, no warrant was required to develop his genetic identity from it. That's what the state argued. So similar to why the police could legally retrieve his brother's inhaler from the trash, like you discarded it, it's no longer yours. So, sorry. Yeah, be careful what you throw away. <laughs> uh, Raised defense also One man's tried, trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> yeah, one man's trash is another man's case against you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ray's defense also tried to appeal the case on the issue of competency, saying Ray was in and out of mental institutes. Uh, Ray was given a psychiatric evaluation and was found to be competent to withstand trial. They also argued saying his health was deteriorating quickly, which it did seem to be. But, you know, this is kind of what they did with the yeah. old state killer, his little act. And, you know, either way, he was found able to withstand trial. Yeah. Also, like, who cares if you're old? You, you did the crime, you're going to do the time. I know. Die. So, like, when the Golden State <laughs> Killer got arrested, I remember so many people were like, leave that poor elderly man alone. And we're just like, I get it. I do think we, like, innately, we, res- you know, our, we should respect our elders. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And, like you know, have compassion for this, but this guy's a fucking killer. Like, you don't yeah. get no respect. My compassion ends when they've been doing these horrible crimes. So. Yeah. And they're jerks, because some old people literally... They literally are the jerks. Worst. <laughs> like, too much lead. <laughs> so, 
Ray's trial for the double murder of David and Ellie began on July 19, 2021, with jury selection. On the second day of the trial, seven witnesses were called, which were a mixture of childhood friends of both victims, law enforcement, and one man who had been camping near the scene of the murders. Uh, Ray faced two first-degree homicide charges, but like we said, Ellie's uh, assault had been dismissed. Um, witness Patrick Fields testified that he had been camping with his parents and brother on July 9th, 1976, and had been 11 years old. He remembers seeing David's purple gremlin at the campground and a gray Plymouth parked on the shoulder of the road. Another witness, Lance Timper, who was the officer that, if you guys remember, we talked about earlier that the caretaker happened to bump into. Um, he recollected his experience being there with David's body while the caretaker went to go call the police. After a week-long trial and two hours of deliberation, Raymond Larry Van Nieuwenhoven, age 84, I believe at the time, was found guilty on July 27... No, he was 85, I'm sorry. 85 at the time. Was found guilty on July 27th, 2021. Ray's youngest daughter read a statement in front of the court she said she believes her father has been wrongfully convicted and will continue to believe that he had no part in the crimes. She said, you are my dad, you will always be my dad, and I love you and I always will love you. Which kills me. Yeah. I also, like, like he was attacking very young women and like teenagers and that he had three daughters, I think it was three daughters, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, was he never creepy to any of them? Like, I don't know. It just feels weird knowing what his type of victim was. I feel like there probably were, um, I'm not saying he was weird to his daughters, but I yeah. feel like there were probably a lot of red flags that the family is choosing to ignore because, yeah. like we said earlier, this is such a horrible, heinous thing to find out about someone that you love and you care about. Like, if someone, if I were to find this out about my dad... Yeah. Like, I know my dad's not perfect. I know there's things my dad's done that he's not proud of. But, like, if it were to be this... Yeah. I don't know how I could deal with that at all. And also trying to rationalize, like, well, I love my dad. But, you know, like, but there's this other side of him. Like, it's just... It's so hard. I've actually been really wanting to read the book. I believe um, the BTK killer's daughter wrote. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I That's something I've been wanting to read about, just like her experience with that, because like that is just a horrible thing. Um, and I, I mean, in, she like recognizes her dad actually. I think guilty. in some cases, so like going back to the Golden State Killer, they had no idea. There was, like, no clue that they had that their father was doing that up until his crimes were revealed. But in this case, he had other instances where he was attacking women and was, you know, put in prison for that. And so then for this to happen, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities for me to You also got to think, though, that happened when early in the early one or two years of his marriage. Yeah. And this is in the 50s and 60s where, like, you get married, you stay married, you submit to your husband. Like, I'm sure that their mom didn't share any of this stuff with them. Yeah, that at is all. true. They probably, she probably did. They probably had no idea that their dad had done any of these things. Um, 
or anything like that. So I'm sure they're just, they were completely in the dark about all of that. So it's hard. Ray was sentenced on August 19th, 2021 for two life sentences run concurrently. At his hearing, many friends and family members of Ellie and David wore t-shirts with their picture on it that said, I've missed you since 1976, 2021, finally you're getting justice. Another friend wore a bracelet she had given Ellie and earrings that Ellie had brought back from Spain for her. Ellie's niece, Cindy Chiswick, um, spoke as one of the testaments for the victims. I may have been very young, however, I clearly remember the horrific pain in my family's voices, seeing the anguish and sorrow written on their faces. Um, she was 11 at the time of Ellie's murder. Yeah. Less than a year later, Ray died Friday, June 17, 2022 at Oshkosh Correctional Institution. He was 86. I could not find the cause of his death, but I'm assuming it was natural causes. Um, he started using a wheelchair soon after he was arrested and received daily nursing care at the Marinette County Jail while he was awaiting trial. Again, I think a lot of people were assuming that this was like a tactic in the beginning like maybe to be like oh he's an old feeble old man like go easy on him blah 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 but i do think and i do think that there probably was a little bit of that but i also do think that his age just probably deteriorated instantly because usually when you get to that time in your life it takes one thing that yeah. kind of just like changes how and you feel falls from there yeah like i think about my my great grandma when she was I think 89, her house burned down. And like, and all the way up until she was 89, she was driving all over the place, like gabbing it up, like, you know, all over the place. And as soon as that happened and she like lost her house, she immediately just like didn't talk. She became really frail. Like it was like almost overnight. So I feel like when something like that happens, you kind of just shut down. And when he got caught and went through this like, case and then sees what he just destroyed his whole family and everything like that like i think he probably just gave up basically yeah. in life is, is what i feel like so he lived less than 10 months after being sentenced but he had been in custody for nearly two and a half years and this closes a nearly 45 year old case of the murders of 25 year old david schultz and his fiance 24 year old ellen matthews whose lives were stolen from them before they even began. It's just a horrible, horrible way. Uh, a sincere shout-out, though, to the Marinette County Sheriff's Department and the detectives that pursued this case, because, like, they stuck it out. They kept trying. Every time there was a new development in technology, they're like, okay, let's try this, instead of just being like, eh, just keep it on the shelf. Yeah. <clears throat> they oh, did their job. <laughs> So sources for um, this two-parter are the Kenosha News, Madison, Wisconsin State Journal, Ironwood Daily Globe, Wisconsin State versus Raymond versus uh, their court documents for that, um, USA Today, findagrave.com, Fox News, Green Bay Press Gazette, newcomergreenbay.com, funeralinnovations.com, ancestry.com, AP News, Oxygen, and Northeast Wisconsin. Boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, just another case that's solved by good old technology. <laughs> so I um, like, anyways, we'll find love bastards. 
Yeah, I love when a cold case gets solved. Like, I know. Uh, it's like, it's the best feeling ever because you finally know who did it. Hopefully there's been justice. Like in this case, obviously he died soon after, but he had to face what he did. Um, I feel bad for his family, obviously, because they weren't, it's not their fault that he was a monster, but. Yeah, and, and like, you know, Ellie's LED's parents had passed family. and stuff like that, too, without knowing any of the. I know what happened mm, but to yeah. their daughter. Yeah, but I'm glad the rest of the family was finally able to. Cause I, I don't know, um, something like that happening to your family and then just never knowing is almost as horrible as the you know it happening to begin with <laughs> so, yeah um i'm glad at least some of them yeah are able to so all right well i think my voice is about to give out <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's gonna be it for today guys <laughs> catch you on the flip side when i am a hundred percent covid free and yeah we hope you guys are having a good summer and keeping cool if it's really hot where you're at um yeah. Yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, put off. out your camping fires. <laughs> only you can prevent forest fires. Yeah, only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> yep. Good night, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>